And welcome to The WAN Show, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a fantastic show for you guys today. The big topic is, of course, that it looks like NVIDIA may not have actually even launched the Founders Edition RTX 3070 Ti. Awesome. That's right. All the controversy that that card managed to generate appears to be much ado about quite literally nothing. Nothing. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Windows 11 obviously leaked this week. I did get a chance to try it. And a lot more information has come out about it over the course of the week because I am far from the only one who has gotten a chance to try it. And what else we got this week, Luke? Facebook or or Oculus or whatever is going to be advertising to you in VR, just like we all knew that they would. No, um, no, they, you know, no. Yeah, we all we all knew they would. Uh, they sort of at a few points in time said that they wouldn't, and then they kind of pull back on that, and then here we are. Um, also. Where'd can, it go? Wait, can we talk about, during that topic, can we talk about how literally every promise Facebook made at the acquisition is now dead? Just gone. I'd love yeah. that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I wish we had notes on it because it'd be actually interesting to go through all of them. But also, Starlink dishes are melting in the sun. Not quite, but they are actually overheating and shutting down to the point where people are spraying them with water and then they kick back in. <laughs> It's a little awkward. It's amazing. Um, it's a little but, awkward. Yeah. All right, let's roll that intro. <laughs> All right, I'm kind of tempted to do something unpopular here, Luke. I'm kind of tempted to start with not the headline topic. Uh, the show is br brought to you by EPOS, Pulseway, and Ridge Wallets. Ray, what do you want to start with? Well, why, why, why not the why not the main line? Okay, is that not, that's your rule. Are you going to go against your own rule? I know, but Mystic Incarnate in the Float Plane chat said, "Okay, pay a crap load for the headset and get ads." GG. I actually want to go right into the face boculus uh, topic. Face boculus? That's what I'm calling them now, face boculus. Um, I like it. Okay. So we're going to do that first, then we'll talk about the NVIDIA thing. So let's get through what's going on here. Facebook is starting to insert ads into the VR apps in the Oculus Quest ecosystem. Ecosystem. <laughs> Excuse me. In the Oculus Quest ecosystem, starting off with Resolution Games Blaston. So we've got a picture of an in-game ad <laughs> courtesy of The Verge. Oh my. It's glorious. Uh, fast free delivery from Jasper's okay. Market. Uh, thank you very much. Please shop at Jasper's. It looks almost like fake. It looks like they have an arena game and they're just trying to like emulate those signs that you see on the inside of like hockey arenas i know I, right yeah, turns out jasper's yeah. market is not actually even a thing that's the assumption i would make looking at that but then you can yeah. actually click on it so it's currently a test it may not be permanent <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah okay, guys I'm don't good. worry about it they're, they're totally gonna take it out it's fine yeah yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> if you respond negatively enough they'll totally remove this from Oculus. so don't this worry. is based on a quote from a facebook blog post 
Once we see how this test goes and incorporate feedback from developers and the community, we'll provide more details on when ads may become more broadly available across the Oculus platform and in the Oculus mobile app. So um, none of that. Also known as probably, they just they just want to make sure that it's effective enough to to bother push forward. Look, Facebook knows a thing or two about boiling the frog. I mean, they've been boiling the WhatsApp frog for what? How? When did they? When did they acquire WhatsApp? Facebook acquisition. Okay, uh, that was in 2014. They announced the plan to acquire WhatsApp. They play such a long game these days. That was seven years ago, and it was only recently that they finally started the whole data sharing thing between Facebook and WhatsApp and all of that good stuff that makes us so happy. Um, so, you know, actually, I just realized I just used the term boiling the frog, but not everyone might necessarily be familiar with that. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, so frogs um, will, like, flip out if you just put them in boiling water like to cook them or whatever but if you put them in cool water and then just like gradually increase it they're cold-blooded and stuff and so they they will not notice and then they will just like die uh and not freak out about it um so what i mean is to say that facebook is slowly turning up the heat in hopes that we won't notice they normalize the boiling. Okay, so let's talk about this. You can save an ad for viewing later if you're interested in the product, or you can hide it and also block certain apps and ads entirely by clicking on the AR right button in VR. Which, uh, is, which is rather standard these days mm -hmm. and actually just helps them learn what ads are going to work on you more than anything else, to be very clear. Facebook made it clear that they're only using limited data from Oculus, and some from your Facebook profile to target the ads. The limited data from Oculus includes whether you've viewed content, installed, activated, or subscribed to an Oculus app, added an app to your cart or wish list if you've initiated, checkout, or purchased an app on the Oculus platform, and lastly, whether you viewed, hovered, saved, or clicked on an ad within a third-party app. I mean, that sounds... Yeah, they should be able to target it, okay. A Facebook spokesperson made a statement that Facebook's roadmap is open-ended. And they don't yet know if you may see ads inside your Oculus Home experience. So one of the driving ideas behind this is to help sustain apps long-term after initial purchase, particularly ones with online services, and also to help make more affordable headsets such as the Quest 2. The VP of Facebook Reality Labs made a tweet regarding this, and it went exactly as well as you would expect. Should. We are starting off with a small test of in-headset ads. Uh, but, uh, but, no, 284 people like that. How many people work at Oculus? Hold on a second here. Hold on a sec. How many people work in the Oculus division? Uh, Facebook has nearly 10,000 employees in its division working on augmented reality. Wow. They couldn't even get all the people working on Oculus to like this tweet. That is extremely unfortunate. It sure has a lot of uh, quote tweets and retweets, though. It sure does have that. I think, is this one of those ones where they got, uh, what's the term for it? Did they get ratio? Did, did, they did. Did they get they ratioed? Did. Yeah. Is that a, is that a one of the actually many ratios on this? Yeah. Um, is I'm bombard bombarded with ads every day, wherever I go, whatever I look at. When I put my headset on, which is my escape, I don't want to see them in there. I would rather pay more for games and experiences to be ad-free in VR. 
Yarp. So let me yarp, talk yarp. about that. Let me talk about that. Because the reason we jumped into this topic earlier on, rather than doing our headline topic first, was because of that... Um, Oh, Kitty Kitty says the boiling frog thing is not true, but I guess it's an okay metaphor. Hey, all right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Flipplane Chat. Uh, the meaning behind it is still true. That is what the expression means. So uh, back, to, back to that original topic. I forget who posted it anymore. I'm so sorry about that. But you actually can buy an Oculus Quest without ads. And that does not require a Facebook account. Let me just see if I can bring it up here. Ah, yes, here it is. Dun, 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 so Oculus Business actually makes a nearly identical, as far as I can tell, it's the same thing. They make a nearly identical product to the Quest 2. Here it is, Oculus Quest 2, with the only difference being the apps that you can install, uh, which my understanding is kind of sucks because I think it doesn't work with like games and stuff. I'd have to I'd have to explore that a little bit more. This is a product we actually kind of wanted to do a review of because it's very interesting to us. Um, you'll get you guys can correct me if I'm wrong because I have not done the work yet. Uh, longer warranty, enterprise customer support, uh, device setup app, Android device manager, and look at that, a much higher price. So it costs about double the regular consumer Quest 2. That means that you can officially put a price tag right on the data that Facebook is, maybe not yet, but planning to harvest from you thanks to your Oculus Quest 2 headset. Sort of, because like, okay, so Oculus Home notwithstanding, because they're they're saying as of right now that they're, stop. They're saying as of right now that they're not sure if there will be ads in Oculus Home or not, but everything is, is in individual apps. And um, it was answered by the tweet that it is up to it is definitely up to the developer of the game or app if there is going to be ads in there or not. So you can just not buy a game if you don't want an ad in the For game. Now. And like true, fair. Um, I mean, I think that'll probably stay. Has there ever been a platform that has inserted ads in content that you bought on that platform? Um I don't know. I can't think of any. That would be pretty ham-fisted. Wouldn't put it past them. No, me neither. That would be pretty ham-fisted. So here we go. Um, so Mr. Cow656 in Floatplane Chat says, Valve should make a headset that doesn't cost a thousand US dollars. And Ambler says, you got to love how spending a few hundred on a device doesn't earn you the privilege of not seeing adverts, but spending another few hundred and lockdown software, sure. No, but for real, that, 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 is, what's, that is what's happening here. The Quest 2 is an unbelievable value. Incredibly cheap. Yeah. Our original video on it was sponsored. I can tell you right now, I am not sponsored at all in any way. We have, we have absolutely no dealings with Facebook or any of their subsidiaries. It's a spectacular value. Everything I said in that video was true. Sponsored video, yeah. But I said right at the beginning of the video, we only took the money because they agreed that we could say whatever we wanted. I was like, okay, sure. Well, I mean, I might as well, I, I might as well get paid if I get to just make whatever video I want anyway. Um, and that's not, that's not an accident. That's not a fluke. It's not, it's not weird in any way that the Oculus Quest 2 is priced so much better than 
any competing headset. We're at the point now where there almost isn't a competing headset. The index does offer a better experience. I am not planning to switch out my index. The audio quality, outstanding compared to what the Quest 2 offers. Uh, the controllers, I like them better personally. Uh, and of course, 144 hertz experimental. Absolutely love that. But the reason it costs so much more is because Facebook is aggressively, aggressively subsidizing the Quest 2 with all the data that it is planning to collect and utilize over the next five, six, however many years that you use that device. That is the only real difference here is that for the first time ever, we can finally see it. Because Facebook hasn't really had any other successful hardware products that I'm aware of. I mean, they had the portal. They had that weird phone thing. But none of that's really gone anywhere. So this is the first time we've been able to say, oh, that's the price tag. That's how much the data is worth. And Facebook's playing an extremely long game here. I mean, when they acquired Oculus, this was the game plan. I pretty much guarantee it. Lizard people don't make mistakes. Okay, the game plan was they were going to absolutely own the consumer VR space and they were going to subsidize the crap out of it so nobody else could compete. I mean, HTC, they, they completely took over the consumer VR space before PSVR and the original Oculus Rift finally arrived. They were it. They were the only game in town. Now they've been completely pushed out. They do some professional stuff, but they're not even trying to compete in the consumer space anymore because they know they can't do it. It just costs way too much to bring a product like that to market. I mean, think about it. Snap-on, yeah. we were talking about this in the pre-show. Snap-on wants 200 US dollars for a ratcheting screwdriver with a soft grip handle on it and a, and a shaft extender. Like, imagine if Snap-on made a VR headset. The, the amount of The amount of technology, the amount of research and development costs that goes into creating a product like that. It's unbelievable. And not just that, but the entire software ecosystem to support it. So, yeah, it's happening, but we're also allowing it to happen. People have said, okay, that $300 to $400 that my data is worth, I would rather give up my data and have a cheaper VR headset. And I actually had this conversation with someone on Saturday. On Saturday, we went out on a boat, open open air vessel, and actually we've all had our first shots at least. Anyway, point is, we went out on a boat with uh, the parents of one of my kids' classmates, and they, you know, happened, it was, out, it was only after we made it out on the boat that they were like, oh yeah, by the way, I watch your videos. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so I guess I can't, I guess I can't escape talking about this. It's, I don't know. It's just one of those things I can't attend. I get a little bit kind of uncomfortable about it in person when I just have what I think is a normal relationship with people. And they're like, yeah, I watch you. I watch you on the internet. Um, anyway, I actually had this conversation where they were like, oh yeah. So like, what do you think of the quest too? I'm like, oh, it's, it's a great value, but Facebook is basically, you know, stealing your data well it's, it's not stealing if you give it to them they're taking they're taking your data and uh giving you a cheaper headset and the guy the guy's just like no i don't care what do i care they can have it i like ads and i was like the really? thing is 
Okay, I like ads is a very odd take. But yeah, the thing I was... is, uh, I, I think the majority of people actually have that opinion. As much as they'll complain about the ads, whatever, yeah. the majority of the time they'll buy the cheaper device. Um, and that's just, yeah, I don't know. Ah, yep. Solbarth says, my neighbor has the Oculus. one of these. A week ago, he insisted they weren't going to monetize it. Oof. Oof. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it, it finally happened. I, I wish we had a convenient list of all the promises that Facebook made back when they acquired Oculus. They have now broken all of them, but the reality of it is as as angry as you might be, you're a tiny minority and mass market, the mass market just doesn't care and Facebook's plan is going to work. In fact, it's not just going to work. It has already worked. I was blown away. Like, I still think of VR as kind of niche. I mean, don't you? It absolutely is. Okay. It's not, it's not kind of niche. It is absolutely niche for sure. Can I blow your mind for a moment here? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to blow your mind. I bet you haven't looked it up because you don't care because you have an index. Yeah. The Oculus Quest 2 on Amazon, which is not even the only place you can buy it, has 48,000 reviews. It is also one of those things that probably the vast majority of people that buy it are reviewing it. Now, okay. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was ready for it. Um, so because I'm actually an Amazon seller now, right? I... Oh. I have my own personal experience that I can talk about with respect to what percentage of people might actually review a product. Okay. So remember, and, and, okay, you say, though, the Quest 2 being an enthusiast product, right? Like it is. I mean, VR. It's not for my mom. It, let's just get real. Uh, yeah. So, so being a, a technophile, how would, I, how would I say that? A technophile product. Sure. Yeah, as okay. It is, yeah. I agree with you that it's the kind of thing that people are more likely to leave a consumer review for. That's totally fair. But I also think that... It's also an extreme experience item. Yes. A lot of people that are having this, it's probably their first time ever in VR. And a lot of people, after they have their first experience in VR, want to tell people about it. And are thrilled. Okay, so yes. I agree with you. Now, can I offer a counter a counterpoint? Yes. When I announced that the ABCs of gaming was available on Amazon, I specifically said, you know, one of my favorite things to do, actually, and this is still true, is read people's honest reviews of the book. I said, yeah. look, don't leave a review if you don't actually buy it, because that's not that's not helpful. It's not constructive. Uh, but I love reading reviews from people who have bought it. So we have 45 ratings and I, I forget exactly how many reviews uh, they all warm my heart, by the way. It's so cool hearing people talk about reading it to their kids and all that kind of stuff. I can tell you now, 45 is a lot less than how many we've sold. A lot less. And so, based on those numbers for the Quest 2, like, just in America alone, it's got to be hundreds of thousands of them through Amazon alone, which it's just this it's this enormous number like i wouldn't even have thought of vr as the kind of thing that you know one percent of people 
would actually spend $300 on. But here we are. The Quest 2 alone is that popular, and that's not even counting PSVR, however many indexes it, it, it had a mass, Yeah, it had a massive, massive spike with, uh, with COVID. Absolutely. That was so, pretty heavily documented, yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm blown away because it looks like... I still think it's super niche. I don't think any of that actually changes no, my mind. No, but it's also way more mainstream than I thought. And, and way faster than I thought. I thought that Facebook's master plan to get to own consumer VR was going to take a lot longer. However, Apple hasn't responded yet. Yeah, I, I mean, um, what's his name at Oculus when I was there in 2016, I think, said it was going to be 10 years. And obviously, there's going to be progress along that road, right? Yeah. So we're five years in. Halfway in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Red Evo says, all my friends have a Quest 2. Yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that. All right. Let's jump into our next topic here. So this has been a bit of a controversial one. The Founders Edition RTX 3070 Ti. So the one that we actually reviewed. People are having a really hard time finding evidence online that NVIDIA ever actually launched it so uh best buy in the u.s and shoot i forget who it is is it scan i don't know there's a partner over in europe as well uh but best buy in the u.s is was among the only places that you were actually able to get a founder's edition 3070 ti at launch but did it really um after best buy angered customers by selling the rtx 3070 ti online only when the 3080 ti actually did launch in store which obviously makes it easier for bots to snatch them up. Um, after that whole thing happened, it turned out that not even the bots got any. Now, I hate to give any attention to bot and reseller groups at this time, especially given the um, adversarial relationship that the gaming community and the uh, <laughs> reselling communities have. Um, but according to bot and reseller groups, the card never actually went up for sale. It apparently went immediately from coming soon to out of stock. And other major reseller groups have corroborated the story with one saying, my monitors didn't see any 3070 Ti's go in stock on launch day. And this is a different behavior from previous launches on the Best Buy website where adding it to the card isn't enough. You need to wait for preparing to distribute, then click add to card again. If there's enough stock, then it'll work. And so that, that delays the checkout process. So this delay can last like several minutes. So if you're thinking that maybe they got snapped up by particularly quick bots, that doesn't appear to be what happened because, and this adds even more fuel to this controversy. Um, Luke, if you wanna, I'm gonna fire this up. If you wanna talk them through the rest of it here. Sorry, give me a sec. It's it's just it's yeah. I mean, the, the the fact of the matter is, it's it's unsure what's actually going on. It, we don't know that it's a paper launch, but but with no evidence on either side, uh, it it kind of seems like it. Anthony added a note saying, considering demand and supply right now, any launch is a paper launch. But I'm inclined to agree with the crowd this, time. and I agree with him pretty strongly. There, we've talked about this in the past. This was a pretty notable point of something that I don't necessarily even want to bring up again. Um, 
which was uh, the 3080 Ti pricing, which is just like, it, it basically doesn't matter because you're not gonna be able to buy one anyways, uh, which ended up being uh, maybe potentially even more true with the Founders Edition RTX 3070 Ti. So this is one of those ones where I'm having a hard time figuring out exactly what NVIDIA is playing at. Um, if I had to guess, I would say they saw the backlash after the 3080 Ti launch where uh, gamers were clearly not happy with them pricing it according to what the market will bear. They wanted them to price it more in line with the MSRPs of their product launches in September, the 3090, 3080, and 3070. Um, so it seems like what they did is they responded by pricing the 3070 Ti more in line with those September launches, at least for the Founders Edition. As we talked about on the WAN show a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, NVIDIA is not a manufacturer. They do not actually play a manufacturing yeah. role in uh, add-in board partner cards. So uh, bringing back up these eBay listings, whether it's ASUS or EVGA or Gigabyte or MSI or Pallet or whoever it is. So you can see all these different Zotac. Um, NVIDIA is not the manufacturer for those cards. So when NVIDIA sets an MSRP, um, it's more of a it's more of a public relations move than an actual enforceable um, like pricing directive. They they can't control it. If Nvidia says, "Hey Asus, price your card at," I'm having trouble remembering. Is it uh, five ninety nine? I think for the thirty seventy Ti, uh, price your card at five ninety nine. They can say that and they can throw a little tantrum if Asus doesn't do it. But they ultimately did not make the product. Yeah, 599. They did not sell it to the reseller who will ultimately mark it up and resell it to the customer. Um, and so they don't really have any power. There are levers that they can pull. They can they can slash Asus's allocation on the next round of production, uh, or they can slash their marketing budget. There there are things they can do, but ultimately, legally speaking, they, they cannot control the price that ASUS actually sells it at, in spite of that being their MSRP for the 3070 Ti. The one card where that's an exception is the Founders Edition, because that is actually NVIDIA's card that they actually price and sell to resellers, and it makes its way into the hands of regular consumers. So what it appears might have happened is NVIDIA um, set this MSRP for the 3070 Ti, knowing that it was going to be nothing other than a PR stunt, um, and that immediately their resellers would adjust according to the current market conditions. And then basically just didn't even bother making any appreciable number of 3070 TIs. As far as we can tell, it's pretty much none. Um, and just kind of went, okay, see you later. Bye-bye. Technically, consumers, we're the good guys. We priced it at $599, which is um, actually, in my opinion, pretty reasonable. Yes, it's not a huge performance uplift over the 3070. Yes, it has a crypto mining lock, which I still think blows because outside of miners, like regular consumers, I have no problem with them mining, especially now that graphics cards cost so much. It's nice to be able to offset the cost a bit. Um, so yeah, like it has sucky things about it, but it's not outlandish 
it's not it's not crazy. It's a way better value than the 3090 was at launch. And yeah, a handful of people complained about that. They kind of went, yeah, well, it's a Titan. It's overpriced. What do you want? There wasn't the same level of freakout that there was over the 3080 Ti. So what it looks like is NVIDIA is trying to play both sides. They're trying to go, hey, yeah, we priced it at $599. Look at us. Look at how reasonable we are, which was ultimately our conclusion in our review. But then by not actually making it and by just selling all these chipsets at who knows, it might be at a margin that their yeah. add-in board partners won't be able to sustainably hit that price. I have no idea. Because another thing NVIDIA doesn't control is the price of all the other components that are required to make a graphics card, MOSFETs, capacitors, PCBs. I mean, everything is in shortage and or a logistical challenge right now. Metals in general, so coolers. Metal even is like going up in price like crazy. NVIDIA can't even control that stuff anyway. So um, ultimately, the board partners are going to price it higher and NVIDIA can kind of go, yeah, but we did the right thing, is kind of what it smells like to me. But what we can do is we can check and see, okay, did any of these make it out there? Because if they did, that means they did at least sell some. Two 3070 Ti Founders Editions, three sold on eBay. That's it. Two of these appear to be from the same seller because this is an identical picture unless one of them is just a fake listing, which is also possible. I, wow. would, I would say. It yeah. also says ships next day, which my understanding is uh, you're not allowed to sell things you don't have. Yeah, both of these are from the tone zone. Never used in any way. That's it. Wow. Can All you right. can you open up that picture more? I guess I'm going to see this super delayed, so it's not going to help me, but... Is is that like in someone's home or is that a super, super standard picture? Is this possibly just not real at all? It's on a desk. Yeah, it's it's on a DX racer desk. Um, okay. But okay. it's it's also entirely possible that this is like a review unit or something. Like I don't That's know. That's what I'm kinda yeah. who this is. If there's literally one, like Well, there's literally I don't know. three. There's... Yeah, but two two of them are cop like two of them look exactly the same, right? Yeah, that's true. And actually, so, so maybe there's two. Both listings say card was taken out of box to inspect content and take photos for this ad. Never used in any way. I mean, why would you take two of them out of the box to take the same picture? So it yeah. kind of it kind of sets off my BS detector right away there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of ones that are actually different from each other, there's just two. One in California and one of them in Kentucky. That's it. Hmm. How and like we, we haven't had a single user say that they, they've used it, right? So like so someone could have one that they're just sitting on gaming with right now. Yep. We haven't heard anyone come forward saying that they are doing that. I mean, that. yeah. I, I mean, It doesn't mean it's impossible. We've got over 10,000 people watching right now. Sup, y'all? Hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I want to hear from you guys. Uh, hit the at Linus Tech, the official Twitter. Uh, hit the at Linus Tech handle. If you have a picture of an RTX 3070 Ti Founders in your computer, I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. I want to see it in your computer. And flash me like flash me an L for LTT in the picture so that we can verify that you actually saw this message and you're not just like stealing this picture from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so Chef Maiku says, well, why did NVIDIA lied? Okay, so they didn't lie. 
they released the 3070 Ti priced at $599. The, because there's one. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So that's what it means. That's what it means. It means that, no, they didn't lie, but also what they did appears to have been extraordinarily misleading because it doesn't appear that the pricing they promised is anything that they can actually deliver to the to the end user in any way. Declan3093 says, bruh, you can buy them on StockX. Okay, how many? How many? Here, hold on, let's find out. Okay, so 3070Ti Founders. Remember, we're looking for Founders Edition. So we okay. This doesn't say how many there are though. Yeah, and actually, number of sales nine. That is still that is still fewer than the number. Okay, love you, honey. Yeah, love you. Thank you for sponsoring, but you gotta go away right now. That is still fewer than they would have sent out in review samples alone. We've only accounted for uh, eleven cards now. That's it. So even if they did, even if they did, even if they did release it, even if they did produce a bunch of these, it's nothing compared to a typical GPU launch. Now we could, we could go silver lining on this. We could go silver lining on this and we could say, oh, well then maybe the conspiracy theory that NVIDIA is using up all of their good dyes to make the new TI parts and they're going to cut off supply of the non-TI lower price parts. Maybe that's not true then. Um, but I also think that it probably is more to do with that they're just allocating everything to mobile where they make way more anyway. Uh, that's another thing too. That's like something that I think the people who were upset because it was going to constrain supply of 3070 and 3080 weren't accounting for is that 3080 and 3070 have been constrained since the mobile part launches anyway because NVIDIA makes way more on mobile GPUs. Um, so that's just something and, to consider because there's no AIB. They just get to sell the dies and I believe they sell the memory as well. Don't quote me on that one, but they just get to sell the bare kit directly to the integrator. Who's going to put it right on the PCB, right on the motherboard of their notebook. Um, and they're also just more expensive. Uh, they just charge more for them. Um, all right, so let's see. Uh, so far, nothing. We haven't had anyone hit us up with a picture of a 3070 Ti. I mean, that's pretty substantial. And and you're not just, I think, did you say 10,000? Is that just the YouTube audience? Because you've got Twitch and Floatplane watching as well. No, I count, that's a pretty substantial amount of people. I counted both. Um, and remember, this is a... a special f- amount of enthusiast audience that is, this is the exact people that would be buying this card, yes. would be trying to buy this card, would know a friend that bought this card, yep. something like that. Like the reach and and uh, and like uh, demographic is is extremely strong. So I think some people are misunderstanding what I'm saying. Mr. Tom says, check Steam to see how many are in use, to see if there's any 3070 TIs. No, no, I'm not saying there's no 3070 TIs. I'm saying NVIDIA is trying to eat their cake and have it too. They're trying to play the good guy, releasing 3070 TI at this reasonable price in the grand scheme of things, but also sell it at market prices through their AIBs 
because, oh, well, there's nothing we can do to control the price that Gigabyte or ASUS sets it at. And we've seen this behavior in the past. I mean, it's not like this is new because of the COVID pandemic or anything like that. NVIDIA will set a very aggressive launch price. And over time, whether it's in the form of, you know, super clocks or Strix or whatever, all those MSRP launch priced models will ultimately get discontinued to be replaced by slightly better ones with better coolers and better VRM and whatever else. And, and the truth of the matter is, from the AIB's perspective, that's often necessary to A, build cards that are at a quality that they're happy with, and B, actually manage to make any money on those cards. I, I get it. I understand why it happens. It's just that now it's happening to a much more extreme degree, like we've never seen before. It's taking that phenomenon and it's blowing it up under a magnifying glass because the difference between this NVIDIA pie-in-the-sky fantasy price and the real-world price is so huge. I would imagine there's significant pressure on NVIDIA from their partners to not make too many founders 3070 Ti's because they're just going to be making them look bad because it's not realistic. It's it's basically, it's dumping. I mean, it's actually an illegal like practice I... in some contexts. Dumping a product where you have like a supply-side advantage and competing unfairly against anyone, let alone your own partners. I mean, they could be opening themselves up to legal action potentially if they were reallocating all the chips to themselves and selling it at a price that their partners can't meet when they have the burden of all of this overhead that comes along with developing these cards for themselves. Like, it's actually a big problem. It's not, a, and there's no quick and easy solution. As far as my understanding goes, a lot of the board partners were pretty frustrated about Founders Edition at all in the first place, Absolutely. let alone in the current climate. So yeah, I, I expect there's quite a bit of pressure there. Now I'm a little confused by this one. Um, it appears, the point appears to be that, um, well, that, well, there's a picture on Twitter. I'm just trying to figure out uh, where the 3070 Ti Founders Edition is in this picture. <laughs> I think you, I think you might have missed the memo. Uh, yeah, I didn't didn't really get the point on that one. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was supposed to be in your computer, which it looks like your computer is potentially in pieces, um, and there's supposed to be a graphics card. All right. Okay. So we've got perfect L hand though. Oh, Fantastic. We've got we've got another one who missed the point. This is a great sticker, by the way. I love it. LTT store sticker. This is a 3080 Ti. This is not a 3070 Ti. Come on, guys. <laughs> You just want your 15 minutes of fame, don't you? I knew it. I knew it. Okay. It's an extremely fast 15 minutes. Dang it, guys. Here's a 3070 mobile. No, no, no. You need to have a 3070 Ti Founders Edition. That's the whole point. We're saying they're not there. We're saying they're rare. All right. <laughs> Why don't we move on to our next topic? And uh, we'll give people a little while to fully understand. I need a picture of your 3078 Ti Founders Edition. Come on, guys. Uh, he's showing you the big L because he couldn't get one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, all right. You know what? That's funny. <laughs> I will give you that one. I Speaking absolutely love it. Big L's. Should big, we talk about Starlink? Big L, no graphics card in this w. picture. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, Luke. Tell me about Starlink. An Arizona Reddit user has said that his Starlink dish overheated and shut off once it reached a maximum temperature 
of 122 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 50 degrees Celsius. The area reported 112 degrees at the time with a high of 119. It returns to operation at 104 degrees Fahrenheit, which is actually kind of nice. I just assumed it was going to like die. Um, but it seems like if you do cool it down, it does start to work again. Uh, the Arizona beta tester sprayed his dish with a sprinkler and it kicked back on upon reaching the reduced temperature. Um, which I guess, I mean, you put them outside. So yeah, spraying with water is probably fine, but that's still something that I feel like I would probably be reluctant to do. Um, however, other users commenting on the Reddit thread mentioned they're experiencing similar temperatures and not experiencing the overheating and shutting down. So it could just be a couple isolated incidents. Yeah. Uh, Tesla also, has... I mean, it could even be as simple as just like the angle of the dish and the sun hitting it. Like if it's... Because it could be really concentrated on one point. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Um, Tesla has told a third user whose dish failed at 111 degrees Fahrenheit that it was a software issue and they're working to resolve it, which surprised me when I first read this. Sounds to me like um, the software issue is that they just have a, a, shut, a safety shut off and they're, they're just going to disable it. <laughs> yeah, which is probably why the thing doesn't like break, right? Um, which seems possible as they're failing below the rated temperature of 122 degrees Fahrenheit. So there's probably, yeah, probably a fail safe triggering a little bit early. Yeah. Uh, the low point at which the units stop working is negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 30 degrees Celsius, if you were interested. Uh, another somewhat extreme weather case, and with the earth getting warmer, this might not be important soon enough. It's also getting more extreme, though. Some places are getting quite cold at times uh, areas closer to the north and south pole aren't even supported by starlink yet um like all of antarctica and most of the arctic Circle. so the coldness portion is probably uh not going to be noticed quite as much um but 50 degrees celsius is like i mean that's pretty crazy but that does that does happen quite often in a lot of places and having your your whole internet go down because it gets hot outside uh pretty unfortunate <laughs> yeah that kind of sucks you know what's funny is uh my mom should do a water-cooled starlink satellite dish. Uh, i almost got an opportunity my mom was doing a uh or is she's working on an off-grid place right so they're gonna do the okay. whole like compost toilet or whatever it's like this super new age like like sure. toilet system um they're doing off-grid power and obviously one of the things they want to figure out is um one of the things they want to figure out is internet, right? And so she asked me, okay, hey, you talked to me before about using um, like a, a, a ubiquity air fiber link or something like that across the water. I'm like, yeah, I did talk to you about that before. Uh, we had actually looked into buying the property right next to them. And that was what I was looking into for myself. And we ultimately figured out how much a recreational property actually costs. And we were like... <laughs> So by this math, <laughs> assuming we even had this much money, we could stay at an Airbnb for two months out of every year for 50 years and not even get close or something like that. I, it wasn't it wasn't quite that ridiculous, but it was maybe it was like a month a year or something. It doesn't matter. The point is we wouldn't have to do any of the laundry for our towels. We wouldn't have to, you know, cart food across the water to this off-grid place when we wanted to go there yeah, we were like yeah. this this doesn't actually recreational property at least owning one unless you're going to airbnb it it just 
didn't make any sense for us. Certainly well, like planning to retire Vancouver. there or something. Sure. If you're going to live there, it's not a recreational property anymore, though, is it? So for the amount well, no, of- if you're planning to retire there, because right. you could you could Airbnb sure. it in the short term. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The point is, I was trying to help her figure out internet for it, and I had already looked into it. So there's a marina on the other side of the water where you can lease a space on their, they have this tower, and you can put your dish on it, and then you can run your cables. They have a nice waterproof entry into this hut that you put your uh, your modem in, and then you can you can beam your internet across the water that way. So she was asking me. She's she's I'm yeah, I'm reasonably I'm reasonably proud of her sometimes. She was asking me. She's like, oh, I heard Elon Musk invented some kind of satellite internet. Should I do that thing you were talking about before, or should I get myself one of those? And what I basically said to her was, if you want the idiot-proof solution that you can recommend to your other buddies on the island, who I am not going to be willing to go and set it up for them, um, get Starlink. But if you want the better solution that is going to be more reliable from our experience with Starlink, it's beta. And SpaceX is completely honest about it. It's in beta. And it's not perfect. And this is exactly the kind of bug wrinkling out that needs to happen during a beta test. And I'm glad they're getting it sorted out. Um, and I'm not sur- I'm not surprised. And I- I'm sure they're going to get it sorted. It's just a matter of, like, normally when you set the the operating temperatures for a product, it would be with pretty large tolerances on either side. Like, I'm yeah. sure if you have a yeah. cell phone... It probably says the operating temperature minimum is like zero degrees or minus 10 degrees or something along those lines. And yet somehow here in Canada, we use iPhones. It's wild. It doesn't make any sense. It should be. The battery life. Imagine using phones, dude. I I can't. I actually want to look it up now. iPhone operating temperature. Uh, between 32 and 95 Fahrenheit. What does that even mean? Ah, what is Fahrenheit? That's uh, yes. zero. Zero and 35 Celsius. So yeah. by the logic of adhering to the, you know, acceptable operating temperature, you basically can't live in Calgary or Arizona um, because... When I live-streamed that whole snowboarding thing, that just... that. I just imagined all that. That yeah. wouldn't have worked at all. You broke Apple's mind. So to be clear, yeah. I'm not saying that it is ideal for these products to be used under those conditions. Um, I think Apple is very correct to say that if you use it at a lower temperature, you might not have an optimal experience. And in fact, if it if you are under in a in a very hot environment, you can easily have it trigger overheating warnings. If you, for example, leave it somewhere where the sun is coming right down on the turned off black screen and heats up the whole thing, you'd be amazed how much of the cooling of your phone is done through the screen. It's the largest heat dissipating surface on your phone. I, I the first time I opened up uh, our, um, I fired up a thermal camera to look at a phone. I was I was just blown away. By, I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, the heat has to come out somewhere, but I just never really thought about it. I always thought, because I'd, I'd never really thought about it. I always just thought, oh, yeah, Back. that's that's why we have the metal frame around the outside. It's like, for yeah. better, heat, I'd never thought about the heat conductivity of glass. And it might be lower than metal, for sure. It's lower than metal. But it's so much more surface area compared to that skinny frame around your phone, especially now that phones are basically 50% screen and 50% 
more different glass on the back. Um, the point is, I'm sure that they had some buffer in their in their rated temperatures, and I'm sure they can just kind of bump the buffer a little bit, and it'll be okay. Or who knows? Maybe it won't. Maybe they'll just be playing fast and loose, you know, Tesla style, and it'll all be, you know, hopefully good. You know, it really worries me how much Tesla is revising their cars. This is not one of our topics in the doc today, but it's been in the news yeah. this week that they removed radar from, I believe it's the Model 3 and the Model Y. And uh, Tesla's, Tesla's rationale for this is that they're committed to a camera-only smart self-driving car future. It's funny, they have a blog post from, I think, 2016 that they have since removed. So they went back, they removed this, talking about the merits of radar and how it's better for adverse conditions. I'm, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on WAN. Just as you're going into this, a, a concept that Tesla revising their cars has made me think about a lot recently yeah. is the SSD video that I don't think you guys have actually done yet. Uh, it's um, coming soon. It's shot already. Yeah, okay. So that exact concept I was reading something recently about how Tesla's revising their cars, and I was like, oh my goodness. So It's these free SSDs. Do you remember last week when I came at you saying, here's this feature that should be on every phone, and they they could code it in an afternoon? And you were like, um, actually, you know, that's not how development yeah. works, especially at a large company well, like Apple. And yeah, that's, that was more my point. By yeah. the way, someone posted me basically a proof that they could do it in an afternoon. Um to Twitter. It afterward. wasn't okay. So okay. <laughs> but, but I got I gotta go over this. No, no, no. I gotta go over this. I'm about this to say really you're important. right. I'm about to say my, you're right. My point was the the almost like bureaucratic process that a lot of those development teams have to go through. Absolutely. It wasn't the ability for an individual coder to be able to create a proof. But anyways, sorry, keep going. <laughs> so anyway, so last week I'm all like blah blah blah, you can code something in an afternoon. But here's the problem. Those things add up. And one of the biggest costs to having a product is maintaining it, right? And here's the problem. Tesla has made a lot of promises over the years, right, about their cars. Like they've promised that self-driving hardware platforms that they've released, I mean, years ago at this point, are going to get full self-driving capabilities at some point in the future. So then what? Is Tesla actually going to support all of these different iterations, all of these different hardware platforms, not just to get full self-driving, you know, working at all, but to maintain it? How on earth are they going to do that? It's... It's a lot. Um, I, mean, I mean, they can. They can do it, but it's, it's a lot. Well, I mean, they would just, they would have the different versions of the cars, probably. I'm going to assume they would have the different versions of the cars. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, they would just, I, I'm sure the, the older versions with stuff that they didn't want to actually keep up to date would just get worse updates um, over time, but they would still, like, just function. That's that's relatively standard, right? So uh, Jetproc says it's hardware three only, but when did they release hardware three? Tesla HW three. When did that come out? Release date. Okay, April twenty nineteen. I'm sorry. Last time I checked, April twenty nineteen is years ago, 
And the changes that they're making, removing radar from these cars, that fundamentally changes the capability of the vehicle. So either they're going to have two years worth of cars here that have their Hardware 3 platform, um, or HW3, I actually don't know if it's short for hardware, I don't care, it doesn't matter. The HW3 platform, um, the Hardware 3, yeah, it's Hardware 3. So they're going to have two years of these Hardware 3 platform cars that do have radar, and they're, what, they're just going to turn it off? Presumably, they'll also have worse cameras, because I wouldn't be surprised if Tesla's just rolling camera sensor updates as they go, because why not? Um, yeah, yep. Or they're going to have these newer cars that do not have that radar information being added to their full self-driving capability. I mean, you can you can defend Tesla all day, but at the end of the day, it is an undeniable fact that supporting software on multiple hardware platforms is a lot more difficult than supporting software yeah. on an ongoing basis, remember, on an ongoing basis on a single hardware platform. And so something's got to give. And it, extremely commonly when this is done, they'll support it, but there's going to be the, the version with the least users is going to get the worst experience. Uh, we, we've even experienced this with um, like, like motherboards, for example. Even if you have a super, super high-end product, like a really high-end expensive motherboard, yeah, well, yours might also have the least people purchasing it, and it might get the worst support because of that, despite it being like an expensive uh, product or device. So... Apparently, they yeah. already disabled the radar last update. So rather than having a feature that they sold to consumers as a benefit, they have disabled it uh, in the name of, okay, that's good, I guess. Um, disabled it in the name of having a platform that's easier to support. I, oh man, I, yeah, they're probably just going to, just backtrack on it at the end of the day. I mean, I've been I've been a Tesla full self-driving skeptic for a long time. Um, I think that they make a lot of promises that they're not sure they can deliver on. But I'd love to be wrong. I mean, I think I've told you, Luke, that the first time I spend big money on a car could easily be when the first truly self-driving car comes out because that yeah. has an enormous value to me. I mean, incredible. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. Raphael yeah. says machine learning is not just if else statements, not saying you thought that Linus, but yeah, that has what nothing, does that have to, do with anything? <laughs> has nothing to do with what I'm saying, guys. Yeah, no, dude, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not just if else, bro. Come on, but it's complicated. What I'm saying is that software development is really complicated. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, one he's, of, he's, he's agreeing with you. It's one of the reasons that the app ecosystem on Android is such a mess because you've got all these different, all these different permutations of what a phone is supposed to be. Whereas Apple at any given time is only supporting at maximum, what, like 10 to 15 devices? That's off the top of my head. It might not be exactly accurate, but it's somewhere in that range. Oh, <sighs> all right. Well, at any rate, we'll see how developing it goes. For, developing for Xbox or PlayStation is often considered considerably easier than developing for PC. PS3 Pwns. not like to hear that. PS3 Pwns says Linus doesn't understand how the radar and cameras give conflicting data, which makes it hard for the AI to decide what to do. If you're getting conflicting data from your radar and your camera, then you need to figure out what's wrong with your radar or your camera. Um, 
And if I'm, by, if I'm behind the wheel, I, I kind of want to go with whichever one thinks I'm about to crash. Uh, yeah. And, and, and like, I, I don't think that actually speaks to your point at all anyways, because you weren't talking about uh, whether the data conflicts or whether it's better or whatever. All you're talking about is the difficulty of supporting a variety of platforms. Correct. That so like is I, the that, scary that thing. point is, is, is irrelevant. So I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of, I've been ranting a lot lately. I've been kind of adversarial with our audience. I, I blame myself for that. But I also think that it's important to actually listen to the words that are actually coming out of my mouth and not argue points that are, uh, that I'm not making, you know, uh, Raphael's yeah, back. Yeah. Machine learning is less complicated to code than normal stuff, but we're not even talking about machine learning. Even just driver support, something as simple as still having support for that particular sensor in the car is something that you now have to maintain. Remember, this is a car. This is not, this is not a phone that you will probably not be using in three to five years. This is not a GPU that you will probably discard in five to ten years. This is a vehicle. This is something you could you go, go, go drive. Go for a drive. You will see cars. Do you see any Pontiacs on the road? Of course you do. When's the last time they made a Pontiac? Pontiac out of business when? 2009. That was 12 years ago. They made the last Pontiac. Like when, when I talk about the difficulty of supporting all these, all these iterations, I'm talking grand scheme of things. The Model S in its current form, like we're finally getting a refresh now. It's a very pretty small one, but an actual refresh. The Model S in its current form was around for eight years. Compared to a typical automaker who's refreshing every year, Tesla has God only knows how many iterations of that car with how many subtle little differences. And that's stuff that they have to track and they have to account for. And clearly they've done a pretty good job so far. But it also means that the messaging around it is extremely murky. One of the other things that they just pull off of, uh, I believe it's Model 3, don't quote me on it, but is the passenger side power lumbar support, uh, power lumbar thing. They just like found that people didn't use it, and so they're killing it to save some cost. And okay, fair enough. But what that means is if, I'm, <laughs> if I want to buy a Tesla secondhand, for example, I have to know exactly where like, it's not like they have a convenient resource for this. Here's when we made all these like random little changes to what's included with a model three and with a model Y. It's not like these are configurable vehicles. Like, like the Porsche Taycan, that video is coming out on the weekend where you pick every last little option. And so you've got this sheet of everything that was or wasn't included. Um, there's, there's no clear map at least not a first party one of when all these little changes were made. And so if you're an average consumer just trying to buy like a used model three, you could sit down and go, where the heck is the lumbar support? I thought, I thought it had it. Uh, it's just really confusing. And what that means is for however many years, Tesla is still going to have to have built into their software, that support for passenger side lumbar built into their UI. I mean, that's another thing like, from a user interface design perspective, having buttons that are only there for certain versions of your product becomes a challenge. And the more of these buttons that may or may not be there, and the more of these features that may or may not be supported, 
the more challenging that becomes for your developers. It's just really difficult is the only point I'm trying to make. Um, Entirely possible, and I'm sure they'll do it. But it, it, I'm not. Yeah, it's a little bit more tough. You don't think so? I'm not sure at all. I didn't say I don't think so. I said I'm not sure. Yeah. Again, please so, don't put words in my mouth. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe I'm not um, right. I don't know. To be fair, I asked it as a question. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like things like lumbar support, like I, I'm, I'm sure they'll keep supporting that. I don't know what it looks like in their UI, but it's probably in a list, which is the easiest way to manage those things because removing something from the list often doesn't break how the UI looks. If it's a button that's in like a row of buttons, that often becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Chat is taking exception to the uh, assertion that machine learning projects are easier to ship. Um, yeah, I, I just, I again want to bring up that that had literally nothing to do with the point of what we were talking about. Correct. Um, and getting into a conversation about the ease or difficulty of machine learning is 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 not only irrelevant to the current conversation, but probably not something we should do. This is amazing. Uh, graphics from the Floatplane chat says, Porsche shoe buying experience. Oh, sir, you wanted shoelaces? That's an extra $500. Oh, you wanted two shoelaces? <laughs> well, it's <laughs> so true. It was an absolute nightmare. Absolute freaking nightmare trying to because my original intention was to buy one review it and then resell it kind of like what my original plan was for these car reviews in the first place and i got in there and i got so overwhelmed by how just spectacularly car nerd you need to be to even understand half of the options on that vehicle that i just left and didn't buy it and waited for jake to coordinate something through their rental program <laughs> at least because part of it is you know that i'm not familiar with all these features and that's fine i don't mind educating myself but the degree of education i would have needed for how badly i actually wanted to spend that kind of money on a car in the first place they didn't match up and and the the anxiety that i'd have spending that kind of money on a product and not picking exactly the right options for me. Yeah, yeah. It's paralyzing. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> this is impossible. No way. And the the Porsche the the Porsche program is uh, apparently it's the Taycan is their most customizable car ever, and I believe it. It was an absolute nightmare. Uh, oh, speaking of nightmares. Uh, I have this recurring one where I forget to talk about our sponsors. The show is brought to you today <laughs> by Epos. Thanks, Epos, for sponsoring the show. Their new B20 streaming microphone provides elegant Nordic design, premium construction, and great quality audio in one fantastic package. It uses a USB-C connection, so you can use it for various devices like your PC, iPad, or iPhone, and has four hardware knobs to make it easy to adjust your settings quickly without having to look at the microphone. You can capture audio with four different pickup patterns, allowing you to use it in all kinds of scenarios. And their gaming suite allows you to fine-tune the sound to your liking. So don't wait. Check out the B20 from Epos at the link in the video description. The show is also brought to you by Pulseway. Hey, thanks, Pulseway, for sponsoring The WAN Show. Pulseway lets you centrally manage all your desktops, servers, network devices, and cloud infrastructure from one place. You'll be the first person to know when a user has an issue. Oh, boy. 
or when there's a problem with your IT environment. No, but seriously, it does help a lot. Uh, you have out-of-the-box commands so you can take actions, such as killing processes, resetting user passwords, um, backing up files. You can even remotely control the machine. And with powerful auto-remediation, Pulseway can automatically resolve critical IT issues like low disk space, high CPU usage, and you can even restart your services. The patching engine prevents vulnerabilities by checking for updates for both your operating system and third-party applications, and you can run those updates on a schedule you define. And the best part is you can do all of it from the desktop or from the mobile app. So try it for free at Pulseway.com or through our link down below. Finally, the show is brought to you by Ridge Wallet. Ridge Wallet, they've done it, ladies and gentlemen. They have redefined the wallet. <laughs> I always used to get such a kick out of that. The only reason I said it the way that I did, Ridge Wallet wants to redefine the wallet. That was their talking points. I didn't make the talking points. And instead of correcting it, like I do with a lot of bad talking points, I just, I rolled with it. I was like, this is really funny. They want to so badly. They just really they want to. to. Someday they'll great. do it. They think it'd be awesome. They finally revised the talking points. So that's why it has changed. Ridge Wallet has redefined the wallet with their two metal plates bound by a strong elastic band to keep your cards tightly together, but still accessible. And their RFID blocking plates on either side. They're available in aluminum, carbon fiber, and titanium. They offer a lifetime guarantee. And they don't just sell wallets. They've got battery banks, bags, smartphone covers, and more. And you can use offer code WAN to save 10% on everything at ridge.com slash WAN. We've got a couple more pretty good topics for today, don't we? Windows 11 so. leaks. Are you yes. upgrading, Luke? Are you going to Windows 11? You are Windows 7 diehard. Well, Come on, tell I me was. about it. I don't like Windows 10. I still don't like Windows 10. I only switched to Windows 10 because it got to the point where it, was, it like almost felt like a necessity, mm. you know? Like it had been so long and like the support for, I had, I had moved to Windows 8.1 with a Windows 7 skin, but the support for Windows 7 or let alone Windows 8.1 was so bad that eventually it was just like, this is just not good or really even okay. So time to move to Windows <laughs> 10. Um, I'm definitely interested. I usually don't like moving to operating systems early, mm -hmm. but I am also a strong believer in Microsoft's like every second one is good cadence. Um, so, yeah, so, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, you don't like moving to operating systems early, but can I just make an argument here that Windows 11 is basically like moving to Windows 10, not early? Because it seems to be kind of the same thing. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, that's, that's true, but that is also how their like second cadence thing kind of works. Um, like 8.1 was kind of seven refined. Yep. Um, maybe 11 is going to be 10 refined. Who knows? Um, it's been a little, way. it's been a little weird for a while, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite interested in windows 11 or whatever the heck it actually ends up being. Um, now, yeah. you tried daily driving Linux for a while and ultimately yes. came back to Windows for gaming. But I don't think you've tried to uh, daily not drive. Not entirely. That wasn't actually the core reason why I switched. I don't know if you remember that part. Oh, hit me. I'm about to drive a bunch of people really crazy. Um, the work that I do these days is really not that technical. I need a browser. I need a word processor. I need an Excel sheet type thing. Chromebook. Um, I could work on a Chromebook pretty well. Right. Okay. The, the screens would annoy me because I really use a lot of screen space because I put stuff everywhere. Um, but I mean, I could figure that out, right? So like what's really important to me is to be able to get into my work really quickly 
and to have the least amount of things in the way as possible. Right. And daily driving Linux, as much as this can drive a bunch of people nuts, included a lot of micromanaging things. All right. Fair you enough. Know? And like, as, as lame as it is, and I accept that part, I accept that part wholeheartedly, it's nice that everything just works. I don't have to do anything with it. It just works every time. It, I, I tell Windows updates to screw off for weeks at a time and then finally grab them all at once and everything's fine and it does it for me and everything's easy. It's just, it just kind of works. Like I would, we used to use Discord for work. We don't anymore. Uh, we do whenever Slack's voice decides to just completely mm-hmm. crap out. So we do every few months. <laughs> um, but we don't really use it for work anymore. And like updating Discord on Linux was just actually super annoying. It was fine. I could get through it. It just took significantly longer. Right. And it, no, I don't mean significantly longer as in like a day, but anything more than like a few seconds is is too much because that's all it takes on another platform. So I don't know. I know that drives a lot of people nuts, um, but I don't. I don't care. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, there's some people actually agreeing with you in the chat. Uh, they, yeah, because okay. like right now, right now, the fact that I'm on Windows doesn't actually help me for gaming because I run different users right. based on work or not work because I find it easier to manage all my stuff that way. Right. Okay. So that's like, fair. It, yeah. So it would, it would, it's, it's pretty close to what I was doing when I was running Linux for work which was just, I would just boot into different operating systems depending on what I wanted to do. Now I just load different users depending on what I want to do. So I was, like, was yeah. going to pitch you trying it again now that Proton's a thing, but it sounds like there's just other issues. I think this person put it really well. Yeah. Uh, Day's Dream says, yeah, but when Linux doesn't work, you can dive in and fix it. On Windows, you have to deal with it until Microsoft suddenly decides to care about your workflow, if ever, which is a fair point. But then the very next chat, this is on YouTube, says, yeah, Linux is like a second tech job for those who are interested. Some people get enough, yeah. though. And those are both yeah. completely valid viewpoints. Totally. 100%. The, the issue is my workflow yeah. is not going to break. And so... This because is... like open office or Word are going to work and a browser is going to work. And, and this it's... is Gaga's Amukti's uh, comment. Uh, isn't Luke a developer? Mm. I used to. He has like a developer These days, team. Not so much. Yeah. Go figure, they are right? significantly better than me, and that's sort of the point. So I would much rather they did it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We are in much better hands. I was going to say it. the platform's better than ever um, with them do- running it. Well, you and running it. You run it, Luke. You run it. You. I actually had someone kind of angry at me recently about the fact that I haven't really talked about Bill C10 uh, on WAN Show, and it's something that we're working on behind the scenes. We're engaged with YouTube on it. We're engaged with. Um, our government representation about it. We are working on putting together like a, a focus group of Canadian creators to kind of sit down and talk about what are the challenges, you know, what are the problems, what do you want to see come out of this? As far as I can tell, C10 is going to happen in some form or other. Um, but what we can do is we can make sure as as YouTubers, we have a seat at the table to talk about, you know, how it should support. Uh, particularly, you know, for my part, I I, I even told them this. I'm like, look. You know, for me, the thing that makes me most angry about all of this is where were you guys 10 years ago, right? When I actually needed this, the, the point of this kind of, uh, this kind of funding 
Uh, so this is the CMF, the Canadian Media Fund. The point of this kind of funding that you're asking YouTube to contribute to is supposed to be to support novel, um, uh, experimental types of content, not just to dump it back into the traditional media companies that are already, frankly, profitable enough. Uh, and they kind of went, well, yeah, we're trying to make that right. And I say, well, okay, well, how are you going to do that? And they say, well, we're going to have YouTubers advise us. And I go, well, who? If you have people like yeah. me advise you, how is that going to be beneficial to people who are just starting out in their basements? I think there's a lot of things that have not been fully thought out, but I'm mostly saving my thoughts for the people who are actually working on this stuff because that's where I have an opportunity to make a difference. So it's not that I'm not aware of it. It's not that I'm not engaging on it. It's just that I'm doing it behind the scenes. Honestly, I wish that kind of stuff wasn't my job and I just made tech videos because that's way better. But um, it is what it is. It is what it is. What else we got? Yeah, it's really exciting for us. Yeah. And uh, we're, we will hopefully have more fun stuff to, to announce that ties in with that quite tightly uh, in the future. Not sure how far in the future, but in the future. Um, in other news, NVIDIA is ending support for Windows 7 and Windows 8, effective October 2021. There Speaking of what Luke. I was saying earlier, yep. <laughs> so game-ready driver upgrades will be coming exclusively for systems utilizing Windows 10. Critical security updates, however, will continue until 2024. Um, this is coming on the heels of both the Windows 11 announcement and NVIDIA's own move to end-of-life Kepler GPUs. I can see why they're doing it. Almost 93% of Steam users are running Windows 10. And we've talked a lot, actually, on the show today about the ongoing development costs of supporting multiple platforms. Because you got to mm -hmm. remember, these things, these things multiply, right? So every GPU SKU times every OS, <laughs> right? It's, yeah. it's pretty scary. Um, GTX 770 launching. Yeah, it's not surprising. The timing is pretty rough on some of this stuff, though, with the current tech market being what it is. But I totally understand why they're doing it. By and large, uh, their long-term driver support isn't something that I find particularly uh, bad about NVIDIA. I think they actually do a pretty darn outstanding job of supporting their hardware in the long term, especially for a company that doesn't uh, meaningfully monetize the product after they've sold it to you. Like you look at yeah, Apple, and I, right? The tech market being in the space that it is doesn't doesn't really limit people from changing OSs to Windows 10. Like No, but I mean, I don't know. If I was going to go through the hassle of upgrading my OS, I might want to try to time it with a hardware upgrade. Like under normal circumstances, I'd want to. Um, yeah. That makes sense, I guess. So the comparison I was going to make to Apple is Apple does an outstanding job of supporting their phones compared to other phone makers, but they also have the benefit of having the App Store with its 30% cut on all the transactions through it uh, to continue to they fund those to devices. Their batteries. So, Apple, so Apple's best course of action is to have as many iPhones as possible. They continue to make money on the iPhone long after it's in the hands of the consumer. Whereas NVIDIA, I mean, I don't know. They might manage to profit a little bit from user data, but it would not be to nearly the degree that Apple's profiting from App Store transactions and things like that. Uh, speaking of Apple, Tim Cook reaffirms Apple's stance that app sideloading is bad. Um, blah, 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 blah. Destroy the security and a lot of the privacy initiatives. 
We move down, blah, 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 blah. All right, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for that. Hey, in other news, though, check this out. We've got a new shirt on the store. Hey, we've got a new reflective hey. design. It's a CPU. Wait, is this the right one? I think so. We actually uh, were working on quite a few of these at the same time, so I kind of have derped here. Uh, e wait, now I'm confused. Which one's the new one? Reflective circuit. Okay, oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, I got confused there. Hey, Luke's wearing it! Oh, wait, hold on. I'm not wearing it. I'm wearing the reflective CPU one. I really like this reflective ink. It looks super cool. It kind of catches the light in the dark, so you can get yours on lttstore.com. Um... What else do we have going on on the store right now? I actually don't really think... I don't really think we have anything else shaken. Uh, if you wanted to get your hands on the larger CPU pillow, just make sure you move fast. We don't have too many of those left. Um, and our restock is going to be pretty slow. You want to hear something crazy, Luke? What? I had to book not just our next order of pillows, but also like an entire year of like pillow supplies because alpaca wool is apparently skyrocketing in price right now and our supplier wants us to commit to all the alpaca wool that we're going to need for the next year would you like to know how large of a check i cut today for alpaca wool oh my goodness um yeah sure why this, not this information is only for the wan show faithful uh who make it this far into the video um today <laughs> I wrote a quarter million U.S. dollar check. Oh my God. The whole time I was sitting here, just like, I'm actually so uncomfortable. It's like, I know it's going to be so much. But I just, I can't, that was even more than I was expecting. Oh my God. Do you know, do you know how much cheaper our cost on those pillows would be? If we didn't use, it's even a 60-40 blend. We don't even fill them completely with alpaca wool uh, because it's just, it's cost prohibitive. Oh, um, yeah. But it it is so expensive, but it really does make a huge difference to how the pillow feels. So it was one of those things where when we were working on the product, as soon as I felt that one, I was like, we had a 100% sample. As soon as I felt it, I was like, Oh, now I can't, I can't appreciate like that crappy fill anymore. Um, so we started working on, because the cost made no sense. Uh, so we started working on blends to try to get it to feel at least like good, but not, it's still not as good as 100% alpaca wool. Um, and yeah, I, uh, anyway, we settled on what we did and now I'm stuck buying alpaca wool forever and yeah, it's time to Angry Hobo says invest in alpacas to the moon. No kidding, right? No kidding. Alpaca farming to the moon. He sells this many pillows? Um Yeah. Yeah, believe it or not, lttstore.com is a thing. I mean, we did that video recently where we said how does Linus Media Group make money? Like lttstore.com is a huge part of our business now. And we really appreciate you guys supporting us. I mean, we're trying to we're trying to make sure that everything we release is a quality product with great support. And, you know, we're treating it like not just merch, but um, that, comes with, that comes with a significant cost. I mean, we were talking on the pre-show about the order we placed for screwdrivers. 
It is the yeah. single largest, <laughs> it's the biggest thing I've ever bought, yeah. including the warehouse we work out of now and my new house. It's, it's, it's huge. It's crazy. I, huge bet, though. I, one thing that I would say for the yeah. LTD store as well, and I've said this a bunch of times, I feel like I can still keep saying it, especially because I'm I'm not even on that team at all. Um, is when you when you make really good stuff, and people buy it, and they're like, "Wow, this is really good." Pretty natural that those people are going to come back and buy more stuff. Yep. And then when you increase the variance of the things that you make, so now it's not just T-shirts, now it's water bottles, now it's pillows, now it's whatever else. Well, if they're really happy with everything they've bought in the past, and the prices are like really good and very competitive etc 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 people are going to come back i i think i am going to say this statement with an extreme lack of knowledge but it feels to me like the lct store has a lot more repeat customers than a lot of other outfits that i could imagine oh it's uh, yeah repeats are extremely high um this yeah. is hilarious retnom says imagine spending seven bitcoin on alpaca <laughs> it doesn't sound that bad that way <laughs> <laughs> soften the blow a little bit yeah people are telling me to just buy the alpacas okay alpacas not cheap and farmland in i mean here where i could you know oversee them also not cheap i think we're better off just uh i think we're better off just buying the alpaca wool <laughs> uh zert master says nocto hoodies are amazing nocto is another one of those companies they're honestly a huge inspiration for uh, ltt merch because noctua does not f around whether it's their heat sinks, which is like what they actually make, you know, heat sinks and fans, or whether it's their swag, or whether it's the like Christmas gift boxes that they send to media partners, whatever it is, Noctua never around. They just do it. They don't do it unless they can do it properly. And because I remember talking to Noctua's CEO one time, and I was like, wow, you guys must have the best engineers in the world because you make the best fans in the world. This is a long time ago when I was, I guess, I don't know, young and naive. I don't know. I don't know how I felt. But he was like, no, we just give them the time. We have good engineers and we give them the time to do it right. And if it's not right, we don't release it. And I was like, wow. That Easy. is, that is such, it was just, it was one of those duh obvious words of just incredible wisdom and i was like wow yeah yeah of course and we have the luxury of being in a business where we make most of our money like making videos or something selling influence whatever that is so we can afford to just this week we had a major setback um our color block hoodies which are those super bright hoodies i wore in one of our recent videos and then we're gonna do <laughs> We're going to do just a, an all black one that we're going to call the color black hoodie. Haha, <laughs> get it? We've got the color block and the color black. It's the exact same material, yeah. but it's just if you don't like bright colors. Anyway, um, the supplier we were working with didn't meet our quality standards. We got our size run, which is when you get one of every size in every style. And it costs a fortune to get those done because the garments, like they're handmade at that point, right? Um, we got our size run done, and there were three things that were wrong. The sizing was kind of all over the place, like off by, you know, an inch in the arm length on this one and uh, half an inch right. on the, the yeah. length of this one. Um, the weight of the material varied from one garment to the next and even from one panel to the next. 
and the color fastness, depending on the color, that is how well the color stays in the fabric, um, was not as good or it was better. And the factory was basically like, oh, yeah, well, um, you know, the final ones will be fine. And we kind of went, no, <laughs> no, the sizing run will be fine. And then we will cut a six figure order. And only then. And they kind of went, well, we can do we can do one more size of each one. But this is a lot of work. And if you're not happy with it, then I don't know if we can meet your needs. And uh, one of our relatively new people, seemed, it, was, it was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of amusing to me because she was like so nervous. I guess this is from experience at her old job. She was so nervous to give me this terrible news that we had thrown away thousands of dollars and months of production time on this product uh, because she felt that the right thing to do was to was to kill it at this stage and move on to a new supplier and just basically start from scratch because once you get the colors right like that's one of the hardest things and we had the colors right um and she was she seemed just like terrified to tell me the answer and i was like what should we do she's like well we have all these problems and i feel uncomfortable and I, well i said well what should we do she says well it's hard because we have a lot of problems and the supplier doesn't seem to be willing to fix them i go what should we do do we need to kill it and she goes I'm like, if we need to kill it, then we kill it. And she goes, oh, thank goodness you said that. Like, so she came from a more traditional like fashion store, uh, like, uh, like an actual retail store where they have seasons, right? Like if they don't launch the spring wear 2021, that product essentially just goes away. They never get to sell it. Whereas we just, we just release stuff when we, when we finish it. So it's a bit of a different mentality. And uh, I, I don't know, I turned it into kind of an opportunity to talk to the entire team about, look, we don't, we don't release stuff until it's done. And if it costs a lot of money, well then, yeah, I mean, we, our merch isn't cheap. It's reflected in the price of the merchandise. That it's not always down to bomb cost. I mean, this is something we've talked about a lot in the context of things like iPhones. It's easy to look at an iPhone and go, oh, the bill of materials for this is only $275 or whatever, and Apple charges a thousand. It's like, yeah, but Apple also like throws away a lot of phones that never made it. Sure, Apple's profitable. They're absolutely profitable, but they aren't egregiously profitable when you compare them to a lot of other industries. Like, come on, Luke. Get uh, don't real. they have like the most money? How, how much money do they have in the bank? They move a lot of volume. They are a mass market brand. They move a ton of volume. A lot of iPhones, a lot of app store purchases. But the uh, actual... yeah, I mean, they were yeah. also the most cat. Like I hear you, but yes. being the most cash rich company in the world, which they might not be anymore, but at one point in time, uh, they had a hundred and in 2017, they had 163 billion dollars just in cash for fun, like. I think that's they were true. pretty, you know, I think they're pretty profitable. But that's not what margin is. I don't think you said margin, though. Okay, okay, sorry. Okay, their profit margins are not that unreasonable, is what I meant yeah, to say. Okay. Yeah. They do a lot of revenue, and they make good margin on that revenue. They're they're fine. But um, the point is, it, the the garment industry does pretty well for profit too. And we can absorb those development costs as long as we are pricing everything reasonably. And that's just, that's just part of the cost. That's part of the cost of doing business. Yeah. Um, I want to do some super chats before we close it out today. Unfortunately, I forgot to click over to the viewer activity tab until right around the time we were uh, finishing up the Tesla topic. So I don't have all of them. I really wish YouTube would fix this bug. 
Um, Aishi Outcast says, you talk about the big changes in Teslas, like getting rid of radar, their new super casting, but Monroe & Co., great video, Sandy Monroe, huh, um, have taken more than one Model 3 to pieces and found large other structural changes. Are all of these crash tested? Uh, <laughs> no, I, with how fast and loose Tesla plays, uh, I would say probably not. I mean, you know, for legal reasons, I'm not going to say no because I don't know. But yeah, and that could carry um, pretty heavy implications. But yeah, yeah, I I sincerely doubt it. I mean, remember, this is the same company that basically just said pandemic, what pandemic and forced their workers back to work. Like it's not like they're it's not like it's a people first kind of business is my take on things. I don't really understand why um, why there's so much defense for the Tesla attitude. Um, I absolutely support the Tesla mission, an electrified future, but I don't support the Tesla attitude. And we gotta, we gotta try to, we gotta try to separate those things. You know, why is everything black and white these days? This is kind of a much, much longer, deeper conversation. Um, but can't you yeah. love some things about something and also want them to improve in other ways? I except flaws. I can't. I can't, uh, I don't know how to deal with it. Um, all right. Raphael says, Linux is free if your time is worthless. Well, okay. By that logic, oh, Windows see. is also free if your time is worthless. Because <laughs> you can, you can yeah. waste a lot of time <laughs> around with Windows. And that's, see, that, that's like potentially, I'm not necessarily saying it is, but that's potentially getting into like the inflammatory range. I'm not saying there was anything wrong with Linux. It just wasn't like my use case wasn't matching it yeah. anymore. So I stopped using it. That's all it was. There's There's been multiple times in my life where I've mainlined Linux. That wasn't the only time that I had done it. I used to do it when I was in university studying software right. engineering because it made a lot of sense at the time and it was great. I loved it. Um, it just didn't make sense when I tried it last. That's all. Um, MMBBB89 says, I wish Floatplane fixed the download issue to Australia. Download is hard limited to 300 kilobytes per second. I wrote back and forth to support, but nothing changed. Come on, Luke. What do you got? And it probably won't. Sorry. I think that's a really cool technical conversation, though. Why don't you explain why downloads are so hard to handle compared to streaming VOD? Downloads are expensive. So um, there's there's a bunch of different aspects to it. One of it is one of them is that it's it's often all being hit at the same time. Uh, if I remember correctly, the infrastructure guys are probably going <clears> to <throat> correct me on a bunch of stuff here. But if I remember correctly, the majority of our downloads are not manual. Um, so it's a lot of the second a video goes live, all these downloads are slamming it all at the exact same time. Also, um, downloads are full and complete. A lot of people don't watch videos that way, even on Floatplane. Um, I suspect and I remember way, way back, we had some actual data on this. Um, but I, I suspect it's still the same, um, that more people watch full complete videos on slow plane than they do on YouTube. That's probably just more because there's on average, uh, per person, a more hardcore audience, yeah. but still even on float plane, a huge amount of users don't just sit and watch the entire video all the way through. But when you download something, you are, um, you are watching the entire video the whole way through. So having all of these automated downloads all slamming at the exact same time and all demanding the entire thing all at once at potentially unlimited rates is very expensive, especially in places like you got it, Australia. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, all right. What else we got? Woman Respector says uh, you need a car person to do the car reviews. They're very cringe. Um, Alex is a car person, literally like designed suspension for buggies in university. And he's the final say on the car reviews. Uh, I don't know what's cringe about them. I don't know what you're expecting. What we're doing is a more tech perspective. We don't expect to cover absolutely everything about a car. It's a very deep product. Um, so it's a tech perspective, but there will be more carness in the upcoming Taycan video because it's less tech and it's more car. <laughs> Just to put it to put it one way. Uh, Borok says. Unrelated to the topic at hand, but Riley's Star Citizen video was one of the best things I've seen on any LMG channel. I'd love to see more content like it. Yes, we want to support Riley to do more tech longer. Very excited to see more of it myself. I watched the whole thing as well. Uh, Ryan Miller says, I hope this $5 lessens that quarter mill. Hey, thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Appreciate it. You too, Snate. Uh, Mr. Colton Gaming says, should I get the 40 ounce or the 21 ounce? I mean, it depends You know how big you like it. You know what I mean? I find the 21 ounce is not enough water for me for the day, but I also like the how handleable it is. So it's it's tough. Depends how often you want to refill your water bottle. Um, Orion says, how has Windows feature updates been on uh, Pulseway? You're going to have to check with Jake. He actually knows more about it than I do, or you could contact Pulseway's support. Uh, they do have, uh, to my understanding, fully featured trials, so you could always try it. Syntax VGM uh, says, Tall sizes for shirts and hoodies when? I can't wear anything smaller than a 2XL. No one sells tall merch anywhere. That is absolutely something that we're going to be working on. So we've already figured out the branding for it. We're going to be doing um, small boy, S-M-O-L, uh, lanky boy, and um, thick boy sizes uh, nice. for all of our men's sizes at some point. It's going to take some time. I think we've got our t-shirt supplier nailed down. As you heard earlier in the stream, the hoodie supplier has seen some setbacks. Um, but in terms of t-shirts, and hopefully we can freaking finally do a long sleeve, um, our plan is to first get the regular sizes going, make sure the quality is good, make sure the delivery consistency is good. Then our intention is to do lanky boy first. So that would be longer sleeves, longer torso, and then uh, probably Thick Boy after that. And if we have a lot of success with those, then Small Boy at the end. That's the, that's the goal. Uh, we, we totally understand that like inclusivity gets talked about a lot in women's clothing, but it feels like it actually doesn't get talked about a lot in men's clothing. And we yeah. think that's an opportunity for us to go like, hey, men's clothing doesn't have to be just like big and not fit you or small and not fit you or short and not fit you. Um, I think that I think it can be done better. So uh, the the fashion team is extremely excited to work on that. And I'm extremely excited to uh, to bring that to market. It's going to take some time, though, guys. I'm so sorry. That's really uh, cool. Garfish says those large CPU pillows are 120 Australian to my door. I want to experience the alpaca. Convince me. They're still a novelty item. You should only buy them if the novelty of having a large CPU pillow will make you happy. I want to make that abundantly clear. We just care about even our stupid novelty being high quality. That's all. <laughs> it's just an obsessive thing at a certain point. Uh, Nick wanted me to point out also women's stuff soonish. Just so you know. Nice. Yep. 
Um, that's a huge that's a huge thing for us. Uh, after seeing people get so excited when Yvonne made that one-off pair of underwear for herself out of one of my old pairs of underwear, yeah, old, not used, <laughs> aged, but but new. Um, anyway, after she did that, uh, people were super excited about it, and uh, we we would be very yeah. Syntax VGM says you have no idea how hard tall is to find a good T-shirt for, even plain, hundred percent. Um, don't worry, we're work. We were we are working on it, and once we've got the like the material nailed down, figuring out all the sizing. I've talked to the team about this. We want to create like a uh, we want to create like a a beta squadron kind of team. Uh, so we might recruit through Floatplane and other places where people are very very avid followers, and start building a program where we can do like real person uh, size testing for some of this stuff. So find people who self-identify as as lanky, thick, or small, and uh, get them to do kind of the same, go, go through the same procedure that we do with people in office. It's really funny. Talking to the fashion team is hilarious. Every time I have a meeting with them, it's great because I learn something new. They're like, one of the best things about working at Linus Media Group is we used to have to make men's clothing with almost no men working in the office. So it was really hard to have anyone to try anything <laughs> on and get any feedback on sizing. They're like, yeah, the fashion industry is like almost exclusively female. So working in this office with a bunch of tech bros is great because we have all these different body types that we can try the clothing on. That's pretty funny. <laughs> so we've mostly solved our problem just by hiring a bunch of people. But at some point we might do a beta program as well. Uh, it's something that I've definitely talked to the team about and that I would like to do as we continue to make them better. All right. Um, I am going to call it for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to The WAN Show. We will see you again next week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Same bad time, same bad channel oh, someone just one last thing yes. someone mentioned here's a weird idea interactive size slash animation system for the ltt store we should we should i'm not serious but we should revive the old connect project i know right luke actually like built a not working at all but tried to get it working <laughs> like body profile builder it's thing. sort of yeah it's sort of sort of that was like an early like million dollar idea we should do this man too bad we would have needed like you know 20 million dollars in seed funding to make it any good yeah. um but yeah that was like almost 10 years ago i think that was a long time ago yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah it would use it would use a connect and it you would stand in front of it and it would yeah. kind of size you up and then it would try to show you in the in the clothes but yeah remember anyway. when a connect was a mainstream piece of hardware that you could expect people to have yeah. in their houses <laughs> Yep. All right. That's it for today. Bye. Oh, snap. Uh, people asked for a 3070 Ti update. Oh, did you get any tweets? Uh, I'm checking. Uh, I don't see anything.
and none. Um, uh, which this, like this is about as close as we got, I think. Yep, literally nothing, nothing at all. Oh, actually, in other LTT store leaks, I'm really excited about this one. I convinced Nick to tweet this picture at someone today um, on the basis that it's just a reply to somebody, so it's unlikely that anyone's actually going to see it. But now I'm going to show it on WAN Show. Check this out. Here's something I'd love for my daughter uh, when she's bigger. A toy PC building set. We're already working on it. This is, I think, Rev 4 or so. It is super cool. One of our new engineers is working on this. Uh, basically, there's a CPU under that. There's going to be like a, a sweet print graphic. All these parts are 3D printed now, but they'll be made out of wood. So it'll be kind of like a, like a, I don't know, like a baby's first, you know, kitchen set or baby's first, um, you know, uh, I don't know. They're all like kitchen toys, whatever. The point is this will be baby's first computer. Uh, it's going to be really expensive because quality. We want rare earth magnets in all the parts. Uh, Nick just messaged me. He says, if you weren't the CEO, you'd be so fired right now. I love it. Um, so there's going to be rare earth magnets in uh, every one of the parts. So they like really snap into place. So what you're looking at is the CPU cooler. We're going to do like a print graphic on the top of a fan. And then over here, this is a fan. So rear fan. This is a modular power supply. So the cables actually connect on both ends. This was a little tricky. The reason this connector here is so long is because uh, six inches, we think, is the maximum length you can have to not be a choking hazard for like under two or uh, strangulation hazard for under twos. Uh, this right here is the eight pin power connector that goes up to the power supply as well. The 24 pin connector is here. So it's a weird shape again because it's got to be under six inches. So that goes up there. This plugs into a front fan. This plugs into what I think will be a, I think we're going to kill the hard drive because we've got an M.2 SSD. And then under the heatsink, there's actually a CPU that goes into a socket as well. And then this right here, these RAM sticks um, are magnetic and pop out as well. Uh, so it's going to be made probably out of some kind of uh, half inch ply, um, finished with like decals and stuff like that. Don't kid yourself. This will not be cheap. It will be extremely expensive, but it's the kind of thing that I just really want to do. So we're just going to do it and then we're going to see what happens. Uh, <laughs> just like bad, bad CEO things. <laughs> I have no idea what the market for this product is, but we're going to make it anyway. See you later. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. For real. Bye, guys. I'm stopping the stream now. Bye. Oh, wait, yeah, I didn't show the power supply. There's a power supply, too. Power supply is uh, up in the top, and it snaps into the magnets in the top. That one needs to be super strong. We wanted to do bottom-mounted power supply, but there was no way to do the 24 and the 8-pin and keep them under 6 inches. So we had to do top-mounted power supply, go with the modern design. Okay, for real, I'm done now. I'm done talking about this really exciting product that I'm super excited about. So cool. Wow. Oh.